0: In every country, trees. You know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer. Every day, climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators and practitioners, helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboricultural industry. Today's talk is by Richard Gibney. New York State registered landscape architect and ISA certified arborist. His talk is on the effects of extremely high winds on young trees of various species, conditions, and locations. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA
1: International Conference
0: in Orlando, Florida.
1: Thanks for coming out. hope everyone had a good lunch. Um, It's the last day after lunch, I'm very impressed by the crowd. I was going to save this to the end, but I figured I'll just cut to the chase and we'll talk about the lessons learned and then we'll talk about uh, looking at them. Um, Storms happen. Um, Being from Long Island, this is something we discovered (laughs) three times in a row in the last five years. Uh, We had some wicked, wicked storms. Um, Irene seeming like a really bad one. And then Sandy making Irene look like a little sister. Um, All bets are off. Uh, Bruce Friedrich of Bartlett and I have had conversations about this. Uh, Most testing of trees for wind uh, resistance go up to about 50 miles an hour, maybe a little higher. Um, We got winds that were 80 and over. Uh, We had a microburst through part of Long Island that winds were recorded at 120 for a very short interval, but enough to do some serious damage. Uh, As arborists, um, we can't guarantee anything over 80 miles an hour, so don't try to, okay? Um, But there are things you can do uh, before the 80 mile an hour wind hits. The mighty oak is not so mighty. I'll explain that later. Uh, Soil failure. You've probably heard this a few times. I want to repeat it again. Uh, Soil failure is often uh, the reason trees come down, not because the tree is unhealthy or, or having any major problems. And as arborists, we can help. Proper tree inspections, selections. I should have done that in the opposite order selections, tree inspections, crown thinning, selective removals. I just had a discussion about crown thinning with someone, and uh, that might be debatable. I'm going to talk about two smaller storms, in quotes, um, and then we'll get on to Sandy. Uh, Irene was coming up the coast, everyone knew it. We had a week's notice, everyone had a chance to prepare. Uh, We still had major problems. We had another little thing called the microburst, which a lot of people did not hear about, and a very small portion of Long Island, uh, the Great Neck area, in June, had a sudden 120 mile an hour wind come through one little neighborhood, uh, just a focused bowling alley. Uh, of trees, you could actually track it almost like a, like a tornado. It wasn't quite a tornado, but it had the impact of one. Uh, one of the parks that we worked with uh, had 19 trees, 36-inch caliper average and over, uh, wiped out. No chance uh, for preservation. There were record tree failures in New York City uh, with Irene. Uh, and I think had Irene not happened, Sandy would have taken out those trees as well. Uh, Sustained winds, which has a very strong effect on how trees go down. And this is the park I was talking about. A couple of quick pictures. Uh, This is Irene, the root plate, a normally healthy tree. Had you walked past this tree, you would not have suggested its removal prior to the storm. Um, These types of things, sorry for the blurry picture. This is the park in Great Neck. Um, Amazingly, this happened on an afternoon in June, and not one person got hurt which was just unbelievable. Uh, Big oaks came down. These trees were all sheared right off. The tops were taken off, uh, twisted. There's an American-European beach here. Uh, I think this one was an ash. This is an ash that stayed standing. It only has a little bit of growth on top, which I didn't get in the picture, but it survived. Uh, I think it bent over about to here. Uh, And This was another European beach. Uh, If you take a look at this European beach, uh, we have another form of tree preservation that we recommend when it gets to this point and we call in the carvers. Um, I don't know if you know tree carvers, but it's a nice last resort when you can't save a tree or when a tree at the top comes out. Uh, there's a whole crew of people going around the country doing this, and uh, I think it's kind of a nice thing in a park, especially if you want to preserve the memory of a tree. Uh, it's kind of a cool way to do it. <clears throat> this is another tree that went over, another oak. If you notice, the oak pulled out of the ground. Normally a very healthy tree. This is what this park looked like and on and on, yet you see a few hung in there. Uh, I think this tree had its top ripped out also, though, and so we had a few of those. Generally, the park was wiped out. On to Sandy. Let's see what we're doing here. Um, Superstorm Sandy, record tidal surges, sustained winds once again, resulting in tree failure, soil failure, soil, salt intrusion, and salt spray. Those are some of the bigger problems for the evergreens. The salt spray was incredible. If you know Long Island, it's about between 20 and 30 miles uh, wide. Uh, Long Island Expressway runs right down the center. And most of the pines along the Long Island Expressway had salt wind uh, damage. Uh, And this is literally an average of 15 miles from either of the shores. So we had sideways winds, sideways rain, and, and carrying salt right across Long Island. The native trees, uh, red cedar, pitch pine, unaffected in most cases. This was a typical scene. Uh, this is a neighborhood. Um, I know I'm getting old when I say post war, and everyone looks at me and says, Which war? Um, pre war, I should say. This is pre war. Who knows what that means? Pre war. When, when were these trees planted, possibly? Late 30s, early 40s. We're talking that war. Um, this neighborhood uh, has a lot of uh, slate roofs. Uh, it was a well-to-do neighborhood called Muncie Park, where we had uh, uh, done inventories back in 1991, 1996, somewhere in there. Uh, We had been helping them take care of these trees for 15 years. Uh, We had them remove 200 trees over a 15-year period and planted 250 trees, uh, varying the species, uh, 40 different species, and trying to diversify. These old oaks were still there, though, and in this neighborhood, I'm gonna show you a whole bunch of these in succession. Lindens and oaks, Uh, and if you notice, that's a healthy tree. Okay? Do you see anything wrong with that tree? There's no hollows. Uh, these were healthy trees. However, back to the earlier discussion, look at the paving right here. Where were these roots? Okay? This new cur- this, uh, curb has probably been replaced five times. The road probably replaced five times in the life of this tree. Uh, let me go back a second. Again, here's a walkway. Here's the road. Here's a the driveway. These oaks just had no place to put their roots, uh, and it took a couple of winds to, uh, to figure it out. Uh, 65 oaks in this neighborhood we counted went down like dominoes Um, There were probably about 12 lindens and a few other species that went out Uh, I'm going to show you just a bunch of this till you're sick of it Um, And this just went on and on and on Um, Here's an ash tree Same neighborhood right by a pond. I had recommended the removal of this tree eight years ago They resisted they wanted their trees. They wanted their big trees Uh, This tree has a major cavity. It's right by the pond, it's right near a bench. I think any arborist might have said this tree should go. There's the cavity. They kept it up. Right across the pond is this oak. The pond is eroding. we are starting to see some of the root system. I didn't think it was a cause for real concern. The tree's been there a long time. Uh, Sandy hit. Okay, here it is again. Here's the oak. There's the ash. Same scene. Oh, came down, clean, no hollows. There's the ash, that damn ash. Um, <laughs> I had the mayor like saying, Rich, the ash is standing. Anyway, um, the mayor got voted out after a 15 year term after all these trees came down. And I'm not an arborist there anymore. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it's amazing how the, the negative response to tree falling in this neighborhood was incredible. Um, and we tried to convince people that a lot of these trees were healthy by any standard. Um, but that kind of a wind came through this neighborhood and, and took things out. Um, we suggested a red maple to go back, a, a tree that might be a little more attuned to this type of setting. Um, and there it is again. Now, what's interesting on this same park, that's an ash tree. Look at the caliper on that. That's about a, I think it's about a 70-inch ash. Uh, a couple of limbs came out. That's it. So these ashes start to tell me something about the durability of ash trees, uh, which I was unaware of. Um, there's, there are paths here, but this tree is somewhat open-grown. The other ash tree was next to a pond with a path right behind it that's been repaved several times. So it, it sort of fell into the category of a tree that should come out, but it didn't fail when we thought it would. This is a Leyland Cypress. Uh, we planted this when it was 12 feet tall. I thought for sure this thing would just lay down. Uh, and it didn't, which was amazing once again. But I think it had the time to spread out its roots in an area that gets very little activity, um, and it held on. I would like to have been there when the storm hit and to see how far it bent over. This was an interesting one. Uh, Five days after Sandy, this oak just fell. On a clear day, no wind. Uh, I looked at it, excellent wound closure, generally a healthy tree. But I went to the root system, look what I saw. Um, remember the weebles? They wobble, but they don't fall down. This thing was sitting on a ball. It had very little descending roots, if none at all. It had all of this white decay. And this is just how it turned over. All this white decay showed underneath. So we got to see underground. Um, a little late, but we got to see what happens. And this tree is in an area, the other theory of mine is the um, irrigation systems. Uh, this is a residential neighborhood. Everyone irrigates their lawn. Most of them irrigate every other day or every day, Uh, and I don't think these oaks can handle that. Uh, The root systems were rotting out under the ground. Uh, You couldn't tell it from the canopies or from the buttress roots or from anything else above ground. Here's another one, and if you look at the hollow under this, but how lucky are these two houses? Um, If you saw this oak growing here with a door there and a driveway here, what would you think about the root system, and what what would your recommendation be? This is a neighborhood where I see a lot of big trees, and we've taken down a lot. Um, Much of it controversial, uh, because people love their trees there, uh, but others are just too nervous to have these large trees next to their houses. Um, And once again, okay, survival of the fittest. This is what I, I, I grew up knowing that the little acorn grows into the mighty oak. I'm sure we all know that story. Um, and i 've really discovered something about oaks that scares me a little bit now, uh, the way they went down and, and I have a whole different attitude about looking at them uh, in the field and uh, and you think about this, and you think of oaks as being the most fit, um, but have they adapted to irrigation systems to construction and I say no here is the exact same neighborhood. This is an oak that went down this is a tree-lined street from the 1940s, London plane trees, averaging 30-inch to 36-inch caliper. Once they've removed this, you drove down this street, you wouldn't even know there was a storm. Uh, One or two branches fell out. I'm not even talking limbs, I'm talking branches. Uh, It survived Irene, survived Sandy. Um, And we even inspected these looking for other problems, which I'll talk about later. And it was just very interesting that I learned something new about London plane trees. Uh, One of the things that I've tried to express to all the municipalities I work with, that I kept hearing, well, the tree got through Irene, the tree got through Sandy, so it's a healthy tree, it's gonna survive, you know, it's a survivor. Um, And we found some different things going on on a lot of trees. Many trees had this type of effect, where the tree really has to go at this point. Um, I would not recommend trying to preserve a tree like this. Um, Same neighborhood, here's an oak, unscathed. Can anyone explain it? I can't, Uh, except maybe, It's had a chance to grow its roots, and maybe these driveways were put in so long ago that the uh, roots found a way. But I can't explain why this oak stayed up when so many came down. Another little example, uh, Willow Pond, uh, a little neighborhood down in the Five Towns area of Long Island. Uh, This was a project we were very proud of. They wanted willows there. I don't like planting weeping willows, but it was a perfect location. There's a pond there, it's called Willow Pond. It only made sense, right? Uh, we had a lot of native grasses we put in, uh, some black-eyed Susan, as you see. This was about six years after planting. Those willows were well-rooted. They were put in at two-inch caliper. They were up to a good 12, 13 inches, doing fine, giving Willow Pond its ambiance. Uh, and this picture came before Sandy. That's after. Um, the willow's tops got taken out. Trees got knocked down. But if you look in the distance, over here are some trees that were unscathed, and these were European alders. I'll just show you a few more pictures and I'll get back to those before, after. These are European alders that are growing naturally by the pond. Uh, European alders were once classified as beech. It was Betula alnus a long time ago, and then it changed to alnus glutinosa. Uh, it's an import from Europe many, many years ago. It's an introduction. It's naturalized along ponds and streams here. Uh, tough tree. Uh, and a beautiful tree. It has catkins and cones. If you're not familiar with the tree, it's a great tree to use along wetland areas. Um, I suggested they change the name of the pond to Alder Pond, and we just plant alders and call it a day. But they, I think they put willows back. So, But this is another case of just learning some lessons from nature. Uh, that the willow, as we all know, is an easy wind throw because of its resistance but what did we know about alders? Uh, That they would survive these types of storms and actually, I think, thrive on them because of the wet soil conditions. There's just another look in at some of the the trees there. and That's the alder again. This is kind of cool, right? What does this tell you? When we're talking about the big picture before, you know, that this kid's a good bike rider, yes. Um, What's happening to the trees in this neighborhood? This is salt water, okay? This is the salt water that came up uh, during Sandy on the uh, South Shore of Long Island, and some of the West Shore. This is a neighborhood called Red Hook, uh, Brooklyn. Red Hook, Brooklyn is right off of the Hudson. It's, uh, it, it had saltwater intrusion. Saltwater came up to about here on the buildings, Okay, about 18, 20 inches. Uh, we were brought in after uh, the water had receded, uh, actually the next spring, before the trees leafed out. And we took a look around and we saw these trees all salt damage, mostly from wind salt damage, possibly from the salt intrusion and the fibrous roots. This was not the same neighborhood, I'll go back a second. But we saw a lot of this type of burn and we assumed these big oaks were gonna be in trouble. Um, but we did soil testing throughout the site, uh, brought it in and we found out there was no residual salts whatsoever. Uh, they had had major rainstorm after um, Sandy uh, and they had, we had 18, 20 inches of snow that winter and it all went down, it leached out the salt, a very sandy soil, and the trees are fine. Uh, They leafed out, you would never know they had a problem. So salt intrusion is not something that will always cause a problem, especially in sandy soils uh, where it doesn't stick around very long. Uh, Soil testing I think is important. These are some evergreens that took a hit. And there's not much you can do about this, but what's interesting here is look at this spruce that lost it and look at the one next door that didn't. Again, this tree was on the wind side, and it protected the other tree in my, in my estimation. Uh, and I believe the salt water actually made it to this tree on the ground, but not to that tree. Again, white pines uh, took a big hit on Long Island. Uh, and this is where we saw the value of having pitch pines and red cedars and trees that can handle the salts. These are just trying to fight their way back. Storm mitigation. I mean, now that we know what we know, um, I'm trying to convince other arborists and other landscape architects um, to be very prudent about tree assessments um, and removals and pruning, and we talked about what to inspect. Uh, Soil testing, very important. Uh, Not just for soluble salts, but for nutrients, uh, for uh, compaction. Uh, Foliage testing you can do also, if you want to check how the salt has affected a plant. Um, erosion mitigation stabilization, that pond we saw before is creeping away at these large trees. Uh, what could be done in advance to mitigate the erosion of the pond to protect that tree? And then monitoring, of course. And the monitoring is very important. Um, this was shown before just the parts of the tree to inspect. And, uh, you know, not to walk past the tree and look up and look down and say, yes, it's good, uh, but to look at all the different parts and to walk around a tree completely. Um, that's very important. Uh, I don't know how many times I've Done windshield tours with people, and then find out when I get out of the car and I go behind the tree, there's a large cavity or a large uh, conch forming in the back. Uh, this is the type of thing we saw in lindens. Uh, the V crotch just breaks right out. Uh, back to the inspections after the storm. These are some of the types of damages we're seeing on trees that survived the two storms. Uh, and these trees survived, but uh, they're wounded. And if you don't recognize this type of a wound on a tree that was probably caused by the twisting of that large limb, Uh, you have to be careful uh, not to overlook that. This is sort of subtle. You have to get up close to a tree and see that. And I would always tell the municipal arborist or the municipal DPW person, look for new wood. When you see new wood showing, it means it's a recent damage. You know, if this was all gray and and, and, and had wound wood on it, it might be another problem. But this happened recently. And I'm going to finish up with a tree that I was asked to come look at, and it's this large ash tree here. This is a neighborhood right between Nassau and Queens. Uh, As you can see in the neighborhood, uh, houses are very close. This tree, if it fell this way, it would hit a house. If it fell in any direction, it would hit a house, take out the wires, everything else. Had a little bit of a lean to it, and I was cautious because it's a very large tree, and in New York, they don't like taking out trees. However, as I got closer, I saw this one. This is another large ash, same size, very healthy, that fell down about 50 feet away. Okay, so it got me thinking, okay, if that ash fell, why didn't this one fall? So we looked a little closer, and this is what we saw at the base of the tree. This is a new sidewalk that's lifting. First of all, it's a new sidewalk. Uh, it's lifting. On this side, we saw this cracking, away from this lean, and we recommended its removal immediately. Um, once the tree gets to this point, um, what I have seen municipalities do is go in and fix this sidewalk again. And uh, that's a big mistake. So I've become much more prudent and, uh, and, and much more conservative about the trees um, we take down. And I think years ago I might not have been so quick to say take this larger tree down. So the, the lessons learned are that big trees can be very dangerous trees uh, in heavy wind situations. And uh, I think what I'm getting away from as a landscape architect is planting oak trees in areas that don't have open root spaces, uh, and that won't in the future. Um, I'd be very careful to plant a red oak anywhere closer than 50 feet from a home uh, if I'm going to be thinking about the 50-year future. Um, so I, I, I really want to keep our eyes open after these storms and see what the results are. Uh, one of the things I will tell you, between the London Plain and tulip trees did not come down in those neighborhoods. Um, and we're going to keep an eye on those too. Um, but I think the, the, the take-home message is that these storms really uh, give us good lessons. And we have to be aware, look at the big picture. Uh, and tree selection at the beginning is so important. Um, these types of neighborhoods planted back pre-war uh, and even up to the 50s or 60s, uh, we didn't have the knowledge we have now. And when you come to these conferences you go to some of these uh, seminars, I'm just amazed at how much knowledge we've built up in the form of data and in the form of practical, practical tree knowledge. And we really need to use that uh, to the best advantage. Thanks.
0: This concludes Richard Gibney's talk, Lessons Written in the Wind. To learn more about wind and storm damage to trees, you can find additional information at the ISA Web Store including the two-part Storm Response CEU article in Arborist News or the consumer brochure Weathering the Storm. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, please visit the ISA online store and select Online CEU Quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country Trees you know we can Work together and learn what we need challenge traditional skills and modern techniques whatever language you speak you have a world to offer every day climb with the isa